0: Forest City Church, anyone and everyone. So listen, I had the privilege of of sharing today uh, and continuing in our Luke series, uh, Luke chapter 5. And so I just want to kind of give you a heads up. There's, there, we'll be in four different scriptures today. and uh, So I'm going to tell you what they are in advance so you can uh, have a heads up and so that you can be ready. The, the words won't be on the screen. So you definitely want to find your Bible. Hopefully you brought your Bible. There may be a Bible uh, in the pew in front of you, so you can definitely use that as well. Uh, but, yeah, let me, let me lay these out for you. You have uh, Luke chapter 5. We'll be there uh, in verses 12 to 16. So Luke 5 is one of them. I'm going to say these several times, so don't, don't, uh, don't fret if you think I'm leaving you behind. Luke 5, and then we're going to go to 1 John chapter 1. That's in the back of uh, the New Testament, in the back of the Bible. So Luke 5, 1 John chapter 1, um, and then we're going to go to the book of Acts chapter 2. And then we're going to uh, finish up in Philippians chapter three. So I'm going to say those again, so you, so you can know. So Luke five, um, Luke five, uh, first John in the back of the Bible, ver, uh, chapter one. Uh, then we'll be in what did I say next, Acts chapter two. And then we'll be in Philippians. So so to be, so be growing up for me in church, you did Sunday and then you had Bible study on Wednesday. So Bible study was when you went to all the verses and was turning the pages. And so it may seem a little bit like that today, um, but just, just bear with me um, as we make it happen. Um, and it'll be good. It'll be good. We'll be in it together for sure because I still haven't navigated how to hold my mic and find the scripture uh, at the same time. So um, so we'll, we'll make it through though. Hey, so real quick. Um, so my, my wife isn't here. Uh, our daughter Carrington woke up sick. So that's why Andrew's not here. So we're thinking about Carrington, saw so Mister. A little awkward, uh, her not being here. Um, and then I just listen. I just want to offer my sincere condolences to uh, Packers fans and Bears fans. Um, your season has ended, and I, I'm so sorry about that. But uh, but listen, we are a church of long tables and low walls, and so is Kansas City and the Kansas City Chiefs. And so there's an opportunity for you to join us. Uh, we have a propensity to be in the AFC Championship, and so come on over, uh, watch the game tonight. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. So I just want to offer. From my condolences to you guys today. So join us, join us. Um, listen, no, it's going to be good. I'm excited for today. I'm excited for uh, what we have today in the book of Luke. And, and so let's go there now, Luke chapter five, Luke chapter five, and we're going to read verses 12 through 16, and then we'll pray. Um, but here's what it says in Luke chapter five. It says, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy, for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for proof uh, to them. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Um, so listen, normally when, when I have a chance to be up here, I love to be, I'm a linear thinker, I like to connect the dots, I love to, to kind of really unpack what's, What's going on? I do my best to make it come alive. But, uh, man, today with, with all that, that we have before, I really want to have a chance to do that. We're just going to kind of march through. And, man, I'm just going to trust the Lord to be present and the Holy Spirit to be present um, to speak to you in areas that are relevant to you in areas the Lord has something to say to you. Um, and we're going to trust that he's going to be present and that he's going to do that. Um, so that's what's going to happen today. So, so will you join me in praying before we get started? Lord, we uh, again are grateful to be here, um, man. Even in the midst of, of snow and and challenging circumstances, probably that many of us endured to get here, but we are here and we have an opportunity to hear from you, Lord. And so, Lord, we just we just petition, uh, man, that you would meet us, um, that you would speak to us, um, Lord, that you would speak to your people. And I just pray for myself and my man, my woeful inability. To, uh, to adequately divide your text. I pray, Lord, that it wouldn't be me that's speaking, that it would be your words that's speaking to your people. Um, so we need you here today, this morning. We thank you. We love you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, man, so we're going to get into it here. We have an encounter that Jesus has with a leper. We'll kind of go through verse by verse and look at this. And here's what it says. Luke chapter 5, verse 12, it says, while he was in one of the cities, so we don't know necessarily where he is, but there came a man full of leprosy. So we'll stop there. And so leprosy, uh, man, during this time could have meant could have meant several different things. It could, have meant, uh, it could have meant eczema on the skin because it was a skin disease. It could have meant some sort of ringworm that was, that was on the skin. But, but based on what we see here by saying that he was full of leprosy, we see that this is probably uh, the worst case scenario. And that leprosy is, is advanced in its stage. And so here's what that means. Leprosy, a skin condition, may start off as a rash, but it quickly spreads in it, and it begins to attack uh, the skin and even beneath the skin down to the nerves. And even as it advances, it goes deeper than the nerves, and it even infects the bone. So then what happens is as as I have leprosy, if I had leprosy, then then I would begin to lose the feeling um, in my skin. And 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 the warning system that we have, which is pain, when something is wrong, we don't, you wouldn't have that warning system. So oftentimes with lepers, because they don't have the warning system of pain, they would they would incur injury and wouldn't feel it because they never felt the pain in the first place. And so you had horrible injuries. You you had man, you had the loss of limbs, all of because of the deteriorating effects of, of leprosy. And so also what someone with leprosy would experience is um, they would have to be ostracized from the community. And it also says this in the word of God, right? In the book of Leviticus, it outlines um, the, the process or what a leper should be subject to. If you are a leper, what you would do is you would wear tattered clothing, right? As an indication to the people that were around you that you were a leper. You would wear something that would cover Your mouth. And then also, when you were in the presence of people, you would have to announce to them the fact that you were unclean. Because as a leper, you were ceremonially unclean. And so you would announce to people that, hey, there's something wrong with me. And as a result, people would avoid you. Because if they were to touch you, number one, they thought leprosy was, was extremely contagious. And then number two, if they touched you as you weren't clean, then they would become unclean. So I'm thinking about this man. I'm thinking about him and experiencing leprosy. And I'm thinking about him in the beginning because he he, didn't have, he, didn't, he wasn't born with leprosy. I would imagine that, that he was a man that, that had a wife. He had a family, so he probably had kids. And man, at one point, he, the leprosy began to come and he probably tried to hide it because he, he knew that it could potentially be bad news for him in the rest of his life. But eventually it became too much. Eventually the leprosy was, was more that, that he could hide. And so eventually he had to be removed from his family and his kids. Eventually, whatever job that he had, whatever way or the thing that he did to provide for his family, he had to leave that as well. And he had to go outside of the city to go. The only people there were other lepers and he would be without the touch of another person for as long as he had the condition. So in, in, to be a leper in this instance was, was horrifying. Uh, 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 um, Uh, Just just a a really uh, bad experience. Right. I don't even know how to how to describe how horrible it would be for someone during this time to to have leprosy, to be completely separated from all those you love, your family and your friends and and to be without the touch of another person all because of this disease. And so this was the experience of the man that had leprosy. So it continues on. It says, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. So he he must have heard about Jesus and knew who Jesus was, right? He must have heard about uh, him healing diseases. He must have heard about him casting out demons. And he saw Jesus as um, his only hope. But the problem is for him to get to Jesus meant that he would have had to come into close proximity with other people. It was a risk. There was danger involved. Because as a result, he could have been killed because he approached people that were clean. But for him, his desperation... The fact that he had already experienced this disease for for so long and and nothing has worked. And and for him to be healed, he probably had uh, 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 abandoned the possibility that his life could be different. But Jesus was coming. And so this was his chance to make it happen. And at at great risk to him, he went before Jesus. And I would imagine with with all that he had, um, he uttered his request. And his request was that he would be made clean. He didn't, he didn't ask to be healed. He asked for something different. He asked to be clean because the cleansing was more significant. Because the cleansing involved him now being able to be reintegrated back into society. If he were cleansed, he had the ability then to be back with his family, to be back with his children, to go about life as normal and as usual. So he asked to be cleansed at great risk to him because he could have died as a result. And so we see Jesus, right, um, in verse 13. And it says this, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean." And immediately the leprosy left him. So you see Jesus going against the grain. I mean, it would have been unthinkable for, for Jesus during this time to touch a leper. Because there's the risk of being unclean yourself. There's the risk, again, of, of you contracting leprosy. And for Jesus, that didn't matter. He said that, that he was willing, he was willing to make him clean. What's also significant here is that is that Jesus could have made him clean just by uttering words. He didn't have to touch the man. But what we see here in Jesus character, what we see here in Jesus in his nature is we see his, his compassion for the leper. We see his compassion for those that are at the margins. We see his compassion for those that might find themselves um, an outcast in society. And then we also see the the power of Jesus, that that no matter what this man was facing, no matter what illness it was, no matter what infirmity it was, um, instead of the illness uh, being expressed now by Jesus, it's now Jesus and his cleanliness that also then went on to the man. Jesus's power was bigger than any disease. And so we see the significance of Jesus and now his ability then to show that compassion to the leper and to any other outcast. And so when you now you look at the image of Jesus and who he is and what he's representing in this moment and you look at the, the picture that people have of other religious leaders that were participants in the marginalization, the other people that, that lack the power, that lack the authority, right? You, you see that this great difference between what was and what Jesus was bringing. And I would imagine for those people it would have been refreshing, and then Jesus says something to the man that, that is difficult that I would imagine um, for him to do. Is he, he says, he says, um, it charged him in verse 14 to go and to tell no one. And so we see, we see Jesus doing this all the time, right? After he's he's healed someone, he he tells the people not now go and don't say anything about this. And it's odd for us to to as we think, why does he do that, right? But what we know about Jesus is that Jesus was not just a healer. But if word were to get out about what he had done and how he had healed the leper, um, everyone who had a disease or some kind of infirmity then would have come to Jesus. And he knew that. And all they would have wanted from him at that point was to be healed. But Jesus knows that, that he's more than a healer. Jesus knows that actually what I came to do was to preach and teach and to announce my kingdom. And that when I heal people and when I do miracles, it's just to validate my message. Right? And we see even at the end of uh this scripture that that what he feared actually happened, that, that people heard the news and that people people came to him wanting them to to wanting Jesus to heal them and what did Jesus do? He, he kept his priorities in order and he went off to a desolate place to go be with his father. And so back to the text, if we look again at verse 14, that wasn't all that happened. It says, it says go and show yourself to the priest and making offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. So what he's doing is, again, there's there's this whole uh, system set up that's outlined in the book of Leviticus. And and part of it was that once you're then made clean, you had to go show yourself to a priest. So I would imagine that that he's not in Jerusalem now. He would have had to travel to Jerusalem in order to go to the priest and and to be certified as clean. And then he had to go make a sacrificial offering um, as a result in order to get his clean status. And so here we have Jesus. Jesus is, is bursting onto the scene. Jesus is saying and declaring, look, I am the one who has power over sickness and disease. Right? Jesus is saying, I am the one who has the power to, to cast out demons. And he says, hey, I'm the one that, that loves the sinner. I'm the one that, that shows compassion to, to those that are marginalized and those that are outcast." And I would imagine that, again, like for these people to experience Jesus in this way it would have been significant and it would have been a breath of fresh air. And as we talked about last week, as we saw Jesus calling Peter to be his disciples, we look at Jesus and, and ask ourselves the question, is, is Jesus someone that's worthy of following? And we see here in his compassion. We see here in his care. We see here in his power that, man, like, oh, Jesus is indeed worthy of of us following him. And so we see that, and so we now can go with confidence that when Jesus calls us to follow him, that we can say yes, because we see his character, we see his nature, and we see all that Jesus is. And so when I was preparing for this time and and to be with you this morning in in this message, though, uh, I have to say that I was a little bit disappointed because because oftentimes in this in my research like 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 that's the extent to which certain preachers and, and certain commentators would go they would talk about um, they would draw the parallels between this man and his leprosy and and the reality that we experience with our sinful condition and so so he was experiencing leprosy physically but but we're experiencing leprosy so to speak spiritually in the fact that it causes us separation. From God, and so what the commentators would say is that Jesus cleanses us of our sin, period. And so for me, that's not that's not good enough, because I feel the burden of of the process that the man went through to get his, to get his cleansing. I feel the burden before you today to help us understand what does it look like for us to experience fellowship. What does it look like for us to experience being cleansed of our sins? And so me personally, I just get annoyed when, when as it relates to our, our, our relationship with Jesus, like people just tell us what Christ did, but don't, don't really unpack the process of what it takes. Or they, or they tell us what to do, but they don't tell us the process of how to do it. And for me, our relationship with Jesus and what we experience is too important for us to be ambiguous about something that's so significant as our fellowship with God and the cleansing of our sins. And so for me, I'm interested in the process. So listen, when we talk about clean and unclean and and you look at the system that was outlined in the book of Leviticus, here's what was going on, right? Right? Um, uh, the the conditions were outlined in Leviticus so that the people of Israel, which were God's people, so that they could have a relationship with God. Because God says this, I am holy, I am set apart. And so since you are my people, you must also be holy and set apart. So I'm going to outline these conditions about being clean and unclean so that you can be set apart from other nations. But I'm also laying out these conditions so that you understand that I am holy and you just can't approach me any kind of way that there needs to be a cleansing of your sinful condition. So, this whole process, this, this whole thing that, that's illuminated in, in his encounter with the leper, as far as being clean and unclean, is about two things. It's about our fellowship with God, and it's about our, 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 uh, our sins being cleansed, or us being cleansed of our sins. And so, I'm interested in the process. What is the process that we should go through in order to make that happen? Because look at what the man experienced. He came to Jesus. He said, hey, will you make me clean? Jesus said, yes. And he healed him. But in that moment, the man was not made clean yet because he couldn't have left that moment and went to go be with his family. He couldn't have left that moment and went back to work because the process wasn't complete. So he was healed in an instant. And then Jesus says, hey, now go follow the remaining process. And it meant traveling to Jerusalem. It meant finding a priest. It meant making this offering. But if the man wanted to be clean, he had to go through the process. So again, today, I am i can't get past this. What is the process for us then in order for us to experience fellowship with God and for us to be cleansed of our sins? And the reason I'm highlighting this for us today is because I feel that this is Uh, very, very significant for our lives and for our relationship with Jesus. What is the process? And so here's part of the process. I believe part of the process is this, is us being saved, right? Part of the process is us acknowledging our sin and us coming to Jesus and believing in Jesus, his life, trusting in Jesus, right? Making Jesus the Lord of our life, so that we can then be saved. And then in being saved, we experience the forgiveness of our sins, and then we are adopted into the family of God, right? We were once apart from God, uh, uh, enemies with God, and now because of Jesus and what he's done, we have the opportunity then to be a part of the family of God, and now we are called his sons and his daughters. But that's only part of the process, right? Right? I just believe that there's more to it. And so why do I think that that there's more to the process? Here's what I would say to you. Let me ask you a few questions, right? So do you know facts about God? Do you know information about God? Or do you know God? Like, no, I know no God. Have Have you experienced God? I just had a conversation with someone at the last service where they was talking about, like, like there's things that I've experienced of him where the, I know that I know that I know, regardless of what you tell me, no, I know the Lord. Do you know facts and information about him, or do you have an experience of him? And then let me ask you this question. Uh, we know that Jesus is, uh, we know that God is, is, is omniscient, meaning he knows everything. But if his knowing of us were determined by the areas of our lives that we gave access to him, how well would God know you? I'll ask the question again. If if God knowing us was determined by the areas of our life that we gave access to him, how well would God know you? So if if your experience of God is, is very limited... Or, or if, if, if God wouldn't know you by the, by the areas that you've given access to, can you claim to have fellowship with God? Secondly is this. We're saved. We believe in God, right? We have the forgiveness of sins, right? Jesus paid the price for our sins once and for all, which is true. But do you still struggle with sin? When you think about Man, the, the sin maybe that you've lived in, even in the past, do you still experience the effects of that sin today? Right now, even as we speak, are you, are you, are you struggling with the sin present in your life right now? And then, and then when it comes to the fact that, that we also experience damage done because of the sin of other people. Do you experience damage from the sin of other people? So if, if, if the answer to any of those questions is yes, then let me ask you this question. So can we claim to have been cleansed of our sins? All I'm trying to get you to understand is that there's more to the process if we're going to experience fellowship with God and if we're going to be cleansed of our sins. Two things that I'm just saying to you that are supremely important. So to help us figure this out, to, to help us figure out this process, we, we're going to go to 1 John chapter 1. Uh, and we're going to look at verse 7. And in this verse, we're going to look at the process that we go through in order for us to have fellowship and also for our sins to be, for us to be cleansed of our sins. Oh, sucks. Uh, here we go. So, 1 John. Chapter seven, uh, chapter one. Excuse me, First John chapter one, verse seven. Here's what it says. Again, this is the process. It says, "It says, um, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin." Right. So I'm going to break this down. So the first part in the process is the first part of that, that verse. It says, but if we walk in the light, which begs the question, what does it mean for us to walk in the light? So when the Bible talks about light, it, it, it talks about two things. It it refers to God and Jesus as being the light. And then uh, it refers to God's word as being the light. So So for me to Walk in the light means that that I am going to walk in awareness of God's presence and I'm going to walk in proximity to God's word. So God's presence is this. Yes, yes, Leonard, God God is always present, right? He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. But it doesn't mean that we're always aware of his presence. So to walk, to live our life with awareness of his presence means that as I live my life, regardless of what I'm going through, I am aware that Jesus is he, he's present. He's he's with me. I'm aware of his love for me and those implications. I'm aware of his sovereignty, which means he is in control. And I'm aware of his desire for me to flourish. So every day as I walk in, as I live my life, I am living in light of his presence. And then there's God's word, right? I am going to Expose myself on a continual basis to God's word. I'm going to read his word and allow that light to shine on me. But here's the deal. As I walk in the light, here's what has to happen. I have to have um, an openness to whatever the light is going to reveal. So sometimes we don't, we, don't, we don't want to step into the light because we don't want to see what's going to be revealed, right? Right? So we proceed and we don't even want to see it. Like it's not even there. Right? So when we are exposed to the light, we have to have an openness to what the light is going to reveal. And then whatever is revealed in us, right? We have to make a choice whether or not we're going to bring our thoughts and our actions in alignment to the light. So, If we make a choice, if if the Lord reveals something to us by us seeking his presence and by us being in his word and and we make the decision to, to not be in alignment based on what was revealed, then we have to acknowledge and be confronted with the reality that we're choosing then to walk in darkness. But we don't want to do that, right? We want to walk in the light. So the first part is us walking in the light. So the first encouragement to you would be to be people that are going to walk in the light, and then as a result of us walking in the light, there's there's two things that happen. So we'll go back to we'll go back to First um, John chapter one verse seven. Here's what it says: It says, um, uh, "But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, it says we have fellowship with one another." So stay there. So this idea of fellowship with one another, we get we get context of this in uh verse 3 of that same chapter so i told you this is going to be just like bible study some of y'all are right at home ready read okay um i'll stop i'll stop i'll stop look at verse 3 in the same chapter it says this it says that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son uh, Jesus Christ. So we see that fellowship, fellowship with Jesus Christ and God the Father is possible. So if we walk in the light, we'll experience fellowship with God the Father and God the Son. We can, we can have fellowship. We can have a relationship. We can know Him. The word for fellowship there is a Greek word called, called Koinonia. Right? Which means this idea of of sharing life, uh, uh, intimacy. Um, there is a common bond. There is there is a, a, a commonality amongst those that experience this level of a fellowship and doing things together. So just imagine who God the Father and who God the Son is. Imagine all that they are power, all that they are capable of. Imagine all of their power. Imagine all of their knowledge and. And all of their wisdom and all that they possess, and we have an opportunity to have fellowship with God the Father and with with, uh, his son, Jesus Christ. And so it's tough to explain, and so to help us out, we're going to go to Paul. Paul's going to help us explain the significance of knowing Christ. So go with me now to Philippians chapter 3. So we can hear from Paul about the significance of knowing Christ. Philippians 3 verse 7 says this. But whatever I gain, but whatever whatever gain I had, excuse me, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth So Paul is saying, listen, I, if you read before that verse, hey, I've gained a lot, I've done a lot, I've seen a lot, I was a pretty big deal, but regardless of everything I gained, I forsake it all for the joy of knowing Christ. As a matter of fact, if I look at everything that I've done and I compare it to knowing Christ, what I have done and received in the past is rubbish, We're compared to the joy of knowing Christ. And so one last thing when it comes to this fellowship, because there's something that we experience when we have fellowship with God the Father and when we have fellowship with his son, Jesus, right? So go back with me to 1 John. Go back with me to 1 John. And so we'll see what we receive when we have this fellowship with, with God the Father and his son. Look at verse 4. It says, And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. In other words, when we have fellowship with God the Father and God the Son, we have joy that is complete. We have the fullness of joy. So, in other words, if if we don't have fellowship with God the Father and and, and His Son Jesus, what we're saying is, is there is a joy that we are lacking. We're missing out on a joy that is available to us. Joy being this experience of, of uh, cheerfulness, of uh, of delight. This this joy. This uh, this experience of um, man pleasure all comes from joy. But the thing that makes joy different is joy happens regardless of circumstance. So here's joy. Joy is joy is what makes people look at you strange. So if you're experiencing cheerfulness and delight and and pleasure and and they look at you crazy because they they may know a part of your story. They may know what plagues you. They know what challenges you face. And and they just scratch their head because how in the world are you able to experience this level of cheerfulness given your current circumstances? And it doesn't make sense. Joy is the thing that people, that they see in you and they, And they say, like, oh, man, that person is different. And I don't know what makes them different, but whatever they have, I want it. Because they see the joy in you. And our joy is complete when we have fellowship with God the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. So, again, we're in the process, right? We want to walk in the light so that we can experience fellowship with God the Father and his son. And then Let's go back to the last thing that we experience as a result of walking in the light. Back to verse 7 in 1 John chapter 1. It says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, meaning God and his son Jesus. In the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. So real quick, sin is this, right? Sin is our pride. Sin is us saying to ourselves, oh, we got this. Sin is us saying, "Like, oh, I value my will, my way above all else. Sin is me thinking that, "Like, oh, I can lead myself to a full life. And in the process of my pride, in the process of me thinking that I can lead myself to life, that I can be the God of my own life, I resist the authority of God in my life. And so, so the, the phrase that kind of goes with our sin is, is rebellion against God. The reality is that in our sin, we are in opposition to God. And sin does this. It, it, it steals things that, that, that were meant for us, that's rightfully ours, that the Lord had intended for us to experience. But, but sin robs us of those experiences. So it steals. Sin can outright destroy your life. And then sin can kill. This is the significance of sin. And, and as a matter of fact, Jesus had energy towards sin. Right? Jesus said this. Jesus said that if your, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. I got some witness. If your eye causes you to sin, do what? Gouge it out. So we see God's energy, Jesus' energy towards sin. So... So then the fact that there is an ability for us to then be cleansed by sin is a really big deal because sin uh, uh, is really seeking to take us out. And we have the ability to be cleansed of it, meaning that we can be restored and we can be healed. And Jesus can make it so that whatever stain or residue that's on us as as a result of our sinfulness it can be removed. So again, we walk in the light, exposed to his presence and his word so that we can experience fellowship with God, the father, his son, and also so that we can be cleansed of our sin. And so um, when I think about this and and the way that we experience sin, meaning again, the past, right? Even though we've done something a long time ago, we still experience the shame and we still experience the guilt, right? There's sin in our present. Um, and then, so if you're like me at times, right, my struggle against sin has put me in the fight of my life. And then we also have the sin and the damage we experience as a result of the sin of other people. And I think it's appropriate here to, to, to pause because, because of what we're experiencing in our world currently, right now, what we may see on the news as far as what happens in our country as a result of the sin of others. And so I think it's appropriate right now that we just take a moment and pause and acknowledge some things our country is going through, right? And so this week you had um, uh, some police footage released of Tyree Nichols, um, man who who was beaten by police and then later died. And then you also have what happened this week. You have uh, you had three mass shootings in California, um, where uh, in the matter of forty four hours, three shootings and nineteen people dead. And then two of those shootings, um, the victims were minorities of this country. And so, so what's present is clear. There's, there's a hatred in this country that, that, uh, that victimizes minorities, and so that's where those students come from, and they continue to happen. You have something present that is systemic that continues to put, um, man, people of color in situations to where they find themselves being mistreated and they find themselves losing their lives at the, at the hands of police, and so... All I'm saying is there's something systemic and we know that the, the hatred in this world, in our country, that it exists because we keep finding ourselves in this position. And so then we have a responsibility, myself, Bria, we have a responsibility then because this is what you all are exposed to. And so the church should definitely be on the forefront and offering commentary on what's going on. So we have a responsibility to to walk with you as we're experiencing the sin of the world and how we then um, are going to respond to it. But I want to be quite honest with you. um, That is not always a responsibility that I want to bear. It's not something that I always want to get up here and have to talk to you about. Um, Because the reality is, uh, this part of me that's fatigued By the fact that this continues to happen. And then also, I'm ashamed to say that there's also a part of me that is numb to to these types of events. But see, here's the thing. The thing is this. I want to be someone that walks in the light. And the reality is this. God, um, if I'm exposed to his presence and his word, I find out that he is grieved by such occurrences. That, that, that he is troubled by these types of events. And so if, if God doesn't get tired of, of hearing our cries and my cries when I'm suffering and, and when I'm crying out to him in need of him, then if I'm going to walk into the light, how can I get tired of, of paying attention and giving energy to uh, certain things and injustices being uh, um, carried out in our country? So basically, if God's not tired of it, um, as a person walking in the light, then I can't get tired of it. And I have to be faithful to my responsibility to stand before you to give a commentary as to what's going on and how we should think about it as believers in Jesus Christ. And so what I would say to you was this. It's simple because it goes right in line with what we're learning about today. We are to be people that walk in the light. The scripture says walk in the light as God walks in the light. So regardless of my thoughts or my feelings, I'm going to be in alignment with God um, and and his lament of this and him being grieved by these things that happen in our country. So you have to ask yourself the question, man, what does it look like for you to to walk in the light as it relates to this. And so for our church today, for a brief moment, we're just creating space to lament, to acknowledge that when these things happen, it's messed up. To acknowledge that, 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 that this is not something that, um, that we should be numb to. This isn't something that, that we should just ignore, that we should give energy to it. I'm saying that we should create space in our lives to feel empathy for the people that are suffering, to for empathy for the people that have experienced loss to have empathy for the people that as a result of this continuing to happen in our country that may not feel safe that are worried and concerned when they leave their homes i'm saying we should create space to for empathy for those people i'm saying that we should think about how we can steward our own influence and understand that, man, as we walk in the light, we can then impact other people as they are exposed to the light that we shed. So we create space for it, we lament it, and we grieve today um, everything that's happening in our country. But it only highlights the significance of us being cleansed of our sins. And so in the scripture, cleanse is a is, uh, Mission in a present tense, which means right now, which means this cleansing is ongoing. It doesn't stop. I continually walk in the light to experience the cleansing from my sin. It is continual. So, real quick, I, and I'm wrapping up, I promise. Um, I think about something that I experienced when I was in Africa. So, one thing in Africa that was that, was that significant to that country's story. Is that in 1994 they experienced a genocide? You had two groups, you had the Hutus and the Tutsis, and the Hutus were seeking to eliminate the Tutsis. And so you have, uh, in a matter of 100 days, it's estimated that there were one million people killed in this country. And so one of the things that was really significant is, is we were there with Food for the Hungry and they had gathered some pastors and some, and some leaders that, um, that were working with that organization um, and that Food for the Hungry was walking alongside. And one woman got up and she began to talk about, man, what she has experienced as a result of being a victim of the genocide and losing family and then losing friends. And she talked about, Man, just the challenge it has been for her to 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 um, to have meaningful relationships because because it was her friends and family that were some of the I'm sorry, it was some of the people that she knew, her friends and it was some of her neighbors that were perpetrators in this genocide. So if if her friends and family, I'm sorry, if her friends. And those that she knew, her neighbors, if they would commit such heinous acts against those she loved, how in the world can she trust again? And then what was amazing is that what you also found is we had a, another testimony. We had a testimony of someone that, that was actually a perpetrator um, in the genocide. Someone that, that, that actually was, was, was actively killing um, people. In the genocide so he was there talking about his shame his guilt and his regret and that even though that happened over 28 years ago for him right he still experiences the effects of what he had done of his sin and so for him it was his participation in the genocide but for you it might be something else I don't have time to get on your street and to find your address, but but just use use your imagination and find where this fits you in your life. But what was amazing is that you had these two people that had every reason to be at odds with one another, but yet they were sitting in the same space in harmony, in reconciliation, and in unity. How does that happen? And the reality is it happens because you have two people that made the decision to walk in the light. Because that man that was the perpetrator, he had to submit to a process. He had to submit to a process of reconciliation. He could have said, man, this is is too challenging. This is humiliating. I don't want to face this. But he said, I'm going to bring myself in alignment to the light. And then you have a country. You have a country that is pointing people to the light. You have a country that that after they experienced the horrible things in 1994, that they have said that we are committing our country to Jesus. That in this country, there will be no church and state. Because we know the only way we move forward is in the name of Jesus. And so when we pray, we definitely say, in Jesus' name. And so you see a country committed to walking in the light. And what we experienced is the the healing, the restoration, the unity that the Lord has brought to this country in a matter of 28 years. It was simply miraculous. When it comes to healing, unity, restoration, this country has gone further in 28 years than our country has gone in almost 160 years since slavery has ended. Has ended. All because you have a country that says, oh, we are going to walk in the light. So when I go back to the leper, And the request that he made was not to be healed, but he said, man, I want to be cleansed. And I'm saying for us today, what we should seek today is to be cleansed. He acknowledged the horrific nature of his condition, his leprosy. And with great desperation, with great humility, and with a posture of worship, he approached Jesus. And so part of this process for us it's, man, do we acknowledge, will we acknowledge our, our sin and the fact that it separates us from God? And so number one thing we got to do is we have to come to Jesus, acknowledge our sin, and surrender our life and say yes to him so that we can be adopted into his family. And then we have to engage in a process because the fellowship of God and the cleansing of our sins is a big deal. So then will we then be people that walk in the light so that we can experience fellowship with him? So that we can be made clean as a result of that process. So my hope is that um, you would say yes to that. And my hope is that we look at what we saw in the leper and his approach and how he pursued Jesus And my hope is that we could uh, identify and do the same thing as it relates to our sin. So I'm excited as we continue the journey in the book of Luke. Um, Last week we were in chapter three. This week we'll be in chapter four. So I just encourage you to continue on in that journey. So we'll be in Luke chapter four in your personal time. uh, Man, this entire week. And and we definitely encourage you to Um, check us out on social media, um, and also to identify someone that you can have a conversation with, man, as we journey as a church and being committed to being in the word and as we are committed to being disciples of Jesus. So we're about to get out of here. If you guys could stand with me. As I think about, again, the leper, what strikes me about him was his desperation. His desperation. When you're desperate for something, you do things you wouldn't normally do. And for him to continue to experience leprosy, for him to continue to be isolated from the people uh, that he loves, for him to continue to be robbed of the experience of worship for him was unacceptable. And so would you have that same desperation? Would you come to understand and to know, man, the sin and its effects, what it has done to your life, what it's doing to your life now, and how you're impacted by the sin of other people. And would you come to Jesus with a desire to be cleansed And knowing that that desire means that you need to be someone that walks in the light. So will you walk in the light so that you can have fellowship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords? So that you can have fellowship with the one that created you uh, on purpose with a purpose. So that you can have fellowship with the one Um, that desires for you to flourish. Will you come and be someone of the light so that you can be cleansed of your sin? And I'll testify that I'm plagued by my sin. I desperately want to be cleansed. And so I hope that you do too. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you, God, We thank you, just the opportunity that we have to know you, to experience you, to have a relationship with you. We're thankful for the fact that that was made possible by your son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I pray that, that man, we would no longer be numb to our sin, that we wouldn't grow accustomed to our sin. I pray that we wouldn't grow accustomed to being out of fellowship with you and your son Jesus. But Lord, would you ignite in us a desperation for all that you have for us to experience. I pray, Lord, that we would have a longing for real, true, and authentic fellowship with you. And it is my prayer that that in the name of Jesus that, that the folks under my voice would experience a cleansing of their sin where they would experience a healing and a restoration so complete that the stain of sin would be removed from their life and they could go forward whole. And we just claim the joy that comes from that experience. So be with this, Lord. Be also with those that are are suffering right now from what happened uh, in Memphis, Uh, Tyree and his family and those in that community. We pray for all those involved in in the, the shootings that happened in California. And Lord, our heart aches and we grieve. But Lord, we know that in you there is hope. And may that also be another reason why we make a choice here today to be people that walk in the light. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Grace and peace. We'll see you guys next week.